choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Hello and welcome to the podcast of the May edition of the Manx Sky at Night, first broadcast on Manx Radio on Sunday the 31st of May and presented by Howard Parkin. Because we still need to maintain social distancing, it's not possible for Howard to be in the studio. So instead, he's recorded the whole programme for us at his home in Onken. We begin with some stargazing, as Howard takes us into his garden to explain what we can see in the skies as the month of June unfolds. Then, after the music break, Howard will be talking about all the latest and very important developments in the world of space exploration. So let's join Howard now as he explains what to look for in our wonderful dark skies over the island during the month of June. Well, good evening and welcome everybody to the Manx Sky at Night. And this is actually the third time I've done a live stargazing for you from my back garden here in Onken. And I was just thinking to myself as I'm stood here looking at the sky, haven't we been fortunate with the weather? We've had some wonderful nights for stargazing, which is great. But this whole lockdown we've uh, had to endure, um, we've had wonderful weather. Yes, we've had the odd bad day, but really we've been very fortunate for about 10 weeks now. And uh, we've been very lucky indeed. And I think we have something we can be thankful for in these strange times. But what I want you to do now is to go outside, wrap yourselves up warm, because even at this time of the year you can get cool nights. What I suggest you do is get yourselves a garden chair. One of those that tilt back would be even better if you can, a sun lounge or a garden chair. Put it in your back garden and make sure you've got your eyes used to the dark. Now this time of the year the sun doesn't go down till much, much uh, later than it does normally. Of course, we've got the solstice in the beginning, at the middle of June, and that will be the longest day, of course, before we head off back down to winter. So get yourselves outside, and um, probably about 11 o'clock is at least it's darkish. It's not as dark as you'd really like it to be. But if you, you go outside about 11 o'clock or even 12 o'clock, this is going to give you an idea of what to see. And if you just get your chair and look almost directly overhead, and you'll see for yourself the plough. Everyone knows the shape of the plough. It looks like a saucepan with a bent handle. And the plough was almost directly overhead. The signpost we're going to use for the first part of this. And what I want you to do is to find the two stars at the far end of the plough and follow them straight down to a star that is literally heading, looking directly due north. I'm very fortunate my house is actually aligned astronomically, I say. It was built astronomically at my behest, but that's not quite true because I moved into it when it was built about seven years earlier. Um, but the pole star, Polaris, which is the one you find by using the two stars of the plough, the top one is Dube, the other one is Merak. Follow those along and you'll come to a star pretty well on its own, and that is the star Polaris. Not a particularly bright star. Lots of people think Polaris is a very bright star because it's so well known, but it isn't. It's significant because it marks the spot directly over the North Pole. And from our latitude in the Isle of Man, which is 54 degrees, the pole star will be 54 degrees above our horizon. 
Don't believe me? Try it for yourself. Put your fist on the horizon and that is 10 degrees and you'll find that the pole star is five and a half fists above the horizon. 54 degrees and that's how the steam packet navigate. Only joking, they have far more elaborate equipment than that these days. So we found the plough, we found Polaris and now what I want you to do is come straight across from the plough, go through Polaris and you'll come not quite in line with it but you'll come to a W shape and it sits pretty low on the northern horizon a W a distinct W shape and that W is the constellation of Cassiopeia and Cassiopeia roughly the same distance from Polaris that the the, the plough is but it's it sits there and it rotates around the pole just like the plough or more correctly the constellation of Ursa Major does and it's nice to see Cassiopeia as a W, because in the middle of the winter, uh, or six months from now, it'll be an M. And of course, McDonald's paid a fortune for the M in the sky um, for McDonald's. Now then, what I want you to do now is to turn around and look to the east. Now, depending what night you're doing this, you might have the moon in the way, because the moon was new only literally about a week ago, and it will probably be in your night sky if you're doing this at the beginning of June. But don't worry, because I'm only gonna show you the bright stars you can see, even with the moonlight interfering. So look towards the east now. Look towards Douglas if you're in Peel, or look towards the Lake District if you're in Douglas. These three very bright stars make up what we call the Summer Triangle. And you can see why we call it the Summer Triangle, because the three bright stars really do make this big, long, isosceles triangle. Now the star at the top left of my triangle is the star Deneb in the constellation of Cygnus the Swan. And if you look closely you might see a crucifix shape literally lying down on its side with the star Deneb being at the top of the cross. Well, this is because this shape is, is sometimes called the Northern Cross but its more proper name is the constellation of Cygnus the Swan. And it's a swan flying across the sky the bright star Deneb at the tail of the, the, the swan is at the back, obviously. There are two stars outstretched from the uh, star in the middle, almost. And then you come along the long neck of the swan, and that is the constellation of Cygnus the Swan. And the very bright star uh, Deneb, quite noticeable because of its brightness. But the highest star in my summer triangle is the star Vega. The star Vega, which is the one uppermost of the three. And the star Vega is a very bright star indeed. And um, it's one of the brightest stars in the sky. And it is known to have um, all sorts of things about it. It, it is zero magnitude. It is one of these stars that we have a scale for brightness of stars. It goes from minus 26 for the sun right down to minus 15 or even beyond that if you've got big telescopes. And the naked eye stars are all between Sirius minus 1.4 down to about number 6 or magnitude 6. Well Vega is magnitude 0. It is the, if you like, it's the, the standard candle for measuring the brightness of stars. And Vega is represents the constellation or the brightest star in the constellation of Lyra and Lyra is a harp a little harp and if you look below the star Vega and you come down you'll see two stars fainter but quite close together in the middle of those two stars just slightly up from the middle is the one of the most magnificent sights you'll see in a telescope and that is the ring nebula the m57 ring nebula which you can see very clearly uh, even the small telescope you can make it out as a small smoke ring binoculars won't really bring it out but certainly a telescope will show it as a distinctive uh, fuzzy little tiny ring very interesting to see indeed 
and then come right down, come right down from Vega towards the eastern horizon, then go slightly to the right, and you'll come to the star Altair. That's the star Altair, which is the principal star in the constellation of Aquila the Eagle. And those three make up our summer triangle. And really, they will be dominating our sky now right through until pretty well October. They will literally slide across the sky each night that we're rising a little bit higher and going towards the west. And that, of course, is the feature of the Earth as it moves around. But I want to finish off with looking at these stars that we can best see in the springtime. And there's two stars I really want to show you. If we actually go to the western horizon now, Venus, which was dominating our skies for many, many uh, nights over the last four, five, six months, has now disappeared. It actually goes, uh, not quite between the Earth and the Sun. It's literally going to cross across the very top of the Sun, uh, about half a degree off the top of the Sun. Um, so, strictly speaking, it's not passing in between the Earth and the Sun, but it's at what we call inferior conjunction when it's as close to the Sun uh, as it literally gets. You can't see it at all, at, uh, at, at all because it's far too close to the Sun. It'd be far too dangerous to to try and look for it. But over in the west, we have got the constellation of Leo the Lion setting now. You can see the, the shape of the lion, one of the few constellations that looks a bit like what it's meant to represent. And Leo is setting in the west. Here the lion is literally um, dipping down. And not that easy to see, although the bright star Regulus, the brightest star you'll see now in the sky uh, in the west, that's the star Regulus, which is the principal star of Leo. But what I want you to do is go back to the plough, go back to the plough and look at the handle of the plough and you'll see a distinct curve. Go to that handle and follow that curve down and you'll come to a very bright star, the star Arcturus. Again, this is one of the brightest stars in our skies, and Arcturus is the principal star of the constellation of Boötes, the herdsman. And if you look very closely, you'll see that the star Arcturus looks to be the bottom of an ice cream cone, if you imagine the shape, and that is the constellation of Arcturus. No, it isn't the constellation of Arcturus at all. It's the star Arcturus of the constellation Boötes. But then follow that same line back down again. And if you come back down, uh, you'll see a star on the south horizon, southern horizon, uh, southwest horizon, depending on what time you're looking. And this is the star Spiker. And the star Spiker is the principal star in the constellation of Virgo the Virgin. Now, remember, we looked at Leo a moment ago. Well, you've got the constellation of Cancer. Then we've got Leo and then we've got Virgo. And then after Virgo, we've got the constellation of Libra. And that, well, not quite visible at the moment, but we'll catch up with that one maybe next month. But what I want you to know now is when you look at this part of the sky, we're looking way outside the Milky Way. We're looking up to galaxies that exist in this area of the sky called the Virgo Cluster, named because of the constellation. And the Virgo Cluster is approximately 3 million light years away. And this whole area is just full of galaxies. You won't see them with the naked eye. But there's a lovely legend, which I'll just leave you with, the constellation of Coma Berenices, which is directly above Virgo to the right of Arcturus. And that constellation of uh, Coma Berenices is a constellation where the king came back from the war and he had, he had won his war, he'd won his battle and his wife was so pleased that she chopped all her hair off as a gesture uh, because of her husband's victorious battle. Well, the next morning the hair which had been left on an altar had disappeared. The court astrologers were summoned, the court dignitaries and everybody was summoned and they all had to explain what had happened to the hair. 
And the court astrologer, remember astrology and astronomy were very close together in those days, said, the hair has been placed in the heavens as a tribute to the gods for your sacrifice and for your husband's victory. And sure enough, in the sky that night, they noticed this glimmering patch of sky, which is the hair of Berenices. It's a lot of fun to know these stories, but if you look at this area of the sky with binoculars or get to a really good dark location, there does seem to be a slight shimmering effect from all the faint galaxies that we can just about see on the edge of our visibility. So, although the story isn't really true, uh, there's a germ of truth in it from an observational point of view. And that's what I love about astronomy, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it with me. And we'll have a song now, and then we'll catch up with the latest space news. Thank you very much. See you in a moment. are flying out like endless rain into a paper cup they slither while they pass they slip away across the universe pools of sorrow waves of joy are drifting through my open mind possessing and caressing me Jai Guru
Hi, well, welcome back to the Manx Sky at Night for the month of May. And what an exciting time we had yesterday. It really was. I was absolutely blown over by it. It was the launch, of course, of the SpaceX Dragon, the demonstration flight, which was to take Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley up to the International Space Station. And by the time we broadcast this show tonight, um, they will have rendezvoused now, hopefully with the International Space Station, and it really was a most momentous event. I can't stress enough just how important it was. This was the first manned launch from the American soil by an American rocket carrying US astronauts since the last space shuttle mission back in 2011. And in some ways, that was the end of an era because we had our lovely Manx connection with Nicole Stott, of course, who travelled up to space twice on STS-128 and 133, up to the International Space Station. And Nicole, of course, married to Chris Stott from Onken, was a fantastic ambassador for the Isle of Man. And I always felt that the space shuttle era had still stayed with us until, of course, last night when we had the launch of the Dragon spacecraft to the ISS. So through the wonders of technology, let's just listen now to the launch of the spacecraft last night at just after 20 past eight. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Ignition, liftoff of the Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon. Go NASA! Go SpaceX! Godspeed! Bottom tug! A miracle has launched. What happened? And so rises a new era of American space flight. And with it, the ambitions of a new generation continuing the dream. And it really was that dramatic. It was, of course, meant to be launched last Wednesday, but uh, due to adverse weather in Cape Kennedy, uh, in the area, they couldn't launch it because of potential lightning strikes. If we cast our minds back way back to November 1969, uh, when Apollo 12 was struck by lightning, that was, of course, very a hairy moment for NASA and for the Apollo 12 astronauts. So now they have these mission rules that they can't launch unless there's absolutely no possibility of lightning strikes in the area. Well, we had to wait till last night, till Saturday, and of course, they launched, as you've just heard there. And it really was quite emotional. It really was quite dramatic. It's been the culmination of a huge effort to return America to space from American soil. And when we look back on it, yes, it's been nine years since the last space shuttle launched in 2011. But it was something that NASA said they wanted to do. They wanted to send Americans into space from American soil, not rely on the Russians once again. Um, or uh, rely on the Russians using the Soyuz spacecraft. And all credit to the Russians, they did a great job ferrying astronauts to and from the International Space Station since 2011. But this was something that was dreamed about, and it was, of course, something that finally came to fruition uh, last night. And uh, as I stress, it was really was quite momentous. And it, it ended, if you like, the, the, the space shuttle era, as I mentioned earlier, and it gave us the opportunity to now realise that this is a new era starting up with space exploration. And who knows where it might lead to? It may well lead to the commercialisation of space with space tourism coming down in price. Yes, there have been space tourists before, uh, but now Elon Musk and his SpaceX team are planning to send astronauts or fur-paying passengers to lunar orbit and back. And uh, Elon Musk has made it his professed goal to eventually send us to Mars. People often say to me, why do we spend all this money going into space? 
And there's a very good answer to that question given by Elon Musk some time ago when he established SpaceX way, way back. And he said his goal, his fundamental goal was to make the Earth no longer dependent on just the planet Earth. When we look at the planet Earth, and it's very um, disturbing, I suppose, in some ways, that we realise that the planet Earth has got a finite life. Eventually, something will happen and life will be extinguished from the Earth, hopefully in many thousands and millions of years' time. But by going into space, we give us the opportunity to establish a, a colony somewhere else in space, maybe on Mars, maybe on the Moon, maybe in another planetary system around another star in a way, way distance in space. But it's the human spirit that wants to establish our presence elsewhere. We did it when they went to America with the Pilgrim Fathers back in 1792, whatever date it was. Uh, they did it when we wanted to go to the North Pole and the South Pole, and now we're doing it in space. And yes, if you like, it is the uh, recurrence of a dream. It started with the Mercury astronauts, and uh, before that, Yuri Gagarin with Vostok 1. Then we had the American Mercury and Gemini, and then the Apollo program, and then the shuttle program. And now we've started again with the commercial space program of SpaceX, which will be followed in the not-too-distant future by the Boeing Starliner um, spacecraft, which has got to have another unmanned test, which is hopefully going to be in August. And then following that, there will be a man launch by the um, Boeing team and Starliner, and that will take place hopefully uh, late 2020 or possibly early 21. But make no bones about it, it really is dramatic. We started a new era in space exploration only last night. And you know, we could almost see it from the Isle of Man. I did try to see it um, going over. I did see to see, try to see Doug and Bob passing over in their dragon um, just after about 20 to 9 uh, last night. I couldn't see it. It was far too light and there was a bit of cloud. Uh, I tried again um, at 10.15. Again, couldn't quite see it. But um, again, there was a bit too much cloud around. But um, we can see it, and hopefully over the course of the next few days and weeks, we might get to see the ISS going over, which is something we can see. And of course, we'll be able to see it and also know the fact that the SpaceX Dragon is docked with it as well. Which leads me to the next generation or the next mission for SpaceX, which is the, the first official crew mission to the ISS using the, uh, the second manned Dragon launch. And I'm honoured and privileged to have met Victor Glover, who's the pilot of this next mission. I met him on board a cruise ship some time ago, and I remember he was such a character. He couldn't tell me uh, when he was going to be allocated a launch at his first mission. And he wouldn't tell me and couldn't tell me, because obviously various protocols that they've got to adhere to. But he did say to me, watch the news on the 2nd of August 2018. And I did, of course. And of course, he was named as being the first member or one of the members of the crew of the first Dragon official crew capsule. This mission we watched last night, of course, was the final demonstration mission. Now we move into flight operations. So exciting times. And uh, as you can probably gather, I'm quite enthusiastic about the whole thing. But uh, more on that. Uh, later on as we go through the various programs here on Manx Radio. Uh, just time to tell you a little bit more about some other things going on in the world of space exploration. Of course, exciting, although SpaceX's exploitations and exploration was with the Dragon spacecraft yesterday, uh, they had a, a, a problem 
they were launching their new Starship, or they were testing the engines, I should say, of their new Starship a few uh, days ago. And unfortunately, the engine which was being tested exploded on the pad and the Starship was exploded. But this is Elon Musk's um, next generation, if you like, beyond the uh, the Dragon and the Falcon 9 launches, which we saw. Uh, this is the ultimate um, vehicle that they're going to use to go to Mars. So a long way to go yet on that one. But um, unfortunately, uh, he had good news with uh, the launch yesterday. But um, the day before, of course, the Starship exploding was something not to be anticipated. We've also had Virgin Galactic. And Virgin Galactic and Richard Branson, of course, are trying to launch uh, air launch spacecraft from an aircraft from a Boeing 747, one of the Virgin Atlantic retired fleet. And that didn't work last weekend. But again, this just shows about the commercial opportunities that exist in space. It's a bit like the aviation industry was back about 100 years ago. Um, who would have thought that 100 years ago we would be flying to and from all uh, places all over the world? Um, apart from the virus, virus situation, of course, which is something entirely beyond our control. But air transport now is common. And who knows, maybe in the next 50 or so years, space uh, travel uh, will be common. And there's already talk about launching spacecrafts from the UK and places like uh, the America and going in suborbital flights, which will take you to Australia in about four to five hours. That is not science fiction. That is something that could happen. And I foresee that happening probably in the next 20, 30 years or so. And that's one of the things that Virgin Galactic are looking for as well. In the meantime, uh, a more somber note is, of course, that John Glenn, the uh, astronaut who went into space for the first time to launch uh, into space in 1962 and orbited the Earth. He did three orbits of the Earth and was to return to space in the space shuttle uh, some years later. Um, famously, his wife, Annie, um, refused to speak to the Vice President, Lyndon B. Johnson, as was at the time. Uh, she refused to speak to him because she just wanted to concentrate on her husband's flight. And sadly, she died only a few days ago. She was over 100 years old and sadly, she was a victim of the coronavirus. Such is the uh, fragility of human life sometimes when we look at it. And uh, she was a, a lovely lady and she really was a hero of the space community. And it's sad that she passed away only a few days ago, as I say. In the meantime, we're looking for the next Starlink launch. It's all about SpaceX tonight, but SpaceX are launching their next mission, uh, the Starlink mission, which is the one with these chains of about 60 satellites which go across the sky in a little, literally a chain of them. And we can see them quite vividly from the Isle of Man as we go through just after the launch. It was meant to be launched just before the SpaceX Dragon uh, we mentioned earlier, um, but it was delayed because of uh, bad weather and that is now going to be launched. The launch was scheduled to take place sometime after the Crew X Dragon, which has now, of course, taken place. So watch this space, and I'm sure we'll get the opportunity, hopefully, to see it in Manx skies in the not-too-distant future. But I want to leave you with the idea that Tom Cruise is actually going to head into space, probably one of the first space tourists of the Space Dragon era, and he's meant to be going into space, but he's going to star in a film that is going to be shot in low-Earth orbit, and he is going to be the star of it. He has categorically denied that it is going to be one of the Mission Impossible uh, series of films, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. But in the meantime, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, I hope you'll join us again at the end of June for the next edition of The Manx Sky at Night. Thank you, Judith, for giving us this opportunity to talk to everybody about things going on in space and things in the sky. But remember those words. Keep safe, keep your social distancing, but keep looking upwards. Thank you and good night. Thank you.
Station Main Street.